And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California. Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome again to another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and it is our pleasure to welcome you here to Rod and Reel Radio this Sunday evening. We'll ask you to sit back and relax. Yeah, we know there's some distractions on, maybe a football game. Who knows what else is on right now that they're trying to plug in to the television for your viewing enjoyment, but we want you to sit back and relax, turn your radio up, turn the ra- uh, television down. We think we got two hours of Ron Real Radio that are going to make your worth your while tuning in. Hey, let me give you a little bit of an idea of what is happening tonight. First guest tonight will be Mr. Bill Boyce. And Bill Boyce has been on the adventure of a lifetime. Some would even call it a bucket list adventure up into the Pacific Northwest. Bill hitched his boat up to the back of his vehicle and just headed north and visited friends in the Pacific Northwest. And while he was doing so, he did a little bit of fishing. And boy, the fishing he he found was fantastic. So Bill Boyce is going to be with us, talk a little bit about that adventure. And then later on in the show, Billy Egan, one bass director, is going to be with us live from Las Vegas. The U.S. Open is about ready to kick off. The teams have always already been paired up. Billy's going to give us a little bit of an idea of what they are fishing for, what conditions they're going to expect to be fishing in, and also tell us about some other WN events that are coming on up later on in the year. And then if we get time, Jeff Hunt from the Lobster Port, he's going to give us a call. We're going to talk about how the opening of Lobster Stevenson went, and Jeff's going to put together some Real specialty recipes that you might want to know about when it comes to baiting your traps. And if we get the opportunity, still waiting for him to come on by, but Rob Tressler is going to be with us. Rob and Laura are just back from a two and a half day trip. We're going to find out what they found, how the local conditions were, and talk a little bit about tuna fishing and what's happening in our offshore areas. But before we do all of that, let me first introduce to you the co-hosts for Ron Real Radio. First, this individual is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT, pretty darn good fresh and saltwater fisherman himself. He is calling us live from Rancho San Lucas, which is about 10 miles north of Cabo San Lucas. Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how's your trip going? You know, good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Um, you know, it's terrible. Don't come down here. Cabo San Lucas really opened up wide on the third here uh, because they've got all the marlin tournaments and the tuna challenge and whatever are coming up 
but it is unbelievable how these people have picked up the bar and raised it a notch. It's way better than in California. If you come down here, you'll have somebody that hits you with a temperature gauge when you're walking out of the, in and out of a store, a restaurant, anything that's a building. Uh, they've got pads for your to walk on that sanitize your feet to make sure you're not tracking anything in. Uh, hand sanitizer for everything. It, it, that means Costco alike. If you're going to go on Costco, you have to have a Costco card. I mean, there's more probably going on down here to stifle uh, the disease than anywhere. And But people have come down here in numbers and are having a, a phenomenal time. The restaurants are open and, and uh, fishing is great. Around the corner here, they, the guys are coming up. The, the Dorado fishing is wide. I mean, wide. Uh, we're 10 miles up the beach on the Pacific side from Cabo San Lucas. I counted 31 boats in front of the, off the beach this morning here, and every one of them was stopped and hooked up pretty much all day long. There, there is a, and they, and they keep complaining about having their, their troll baits snipped off. <laughs> like I'm going, you know, mm. if it was me, I'd be trolling marauders and, or, you know, that uh, cowbell, wired up because anytime you get into that that many dorado especially if they're small dorado and large dorado the wahoo are in here by numbers but nobody's fishing for them so for all the guys that are going long range that stuff is coming up get ready that's all i can tell you all right Hey, let me introduce to you the other co-host of Rod Real Radio. She is a national sales manager for Iserline, represents many other fine products in the fishing industry. She wasn't with us last week because she was out fishing herself. Let's get a report on how she did, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, welcome back. Why, thank you. I need to go again. <laughs> <laughs> we had such a great time on on the Excalibur, Chuck Taft did an awesome job. He was just floating on cloud nine. As soon as we, uh, uh, he had a, uh, a patty that he had marked and uh, we went over there and oh my gosh, we had our Dorado limit probably by three or four o'clock. And it was amazing, Dorado everywhere. And uh, he, uh, there are a couple other boats. He called his brother in. Um, he called Bobby Taft in, and uh, they all got their fish. And then and, and then Scott came in, and Scott got all their fish too. <laughs> that wow. patty was loaded. It was an awesome trip. Now, That's fun. You, great uh, Dorado fishing. How about uh, yellowfin? Because it sounds like you went uh, south instead of going north, Wendy. Yeah, we, we got into the yellowfin, um, but we not too many. But after we left, it went wide open. And um, I think it was Scott, um, Sea Adventure 80, who got like 135 yellowfin after we left. Oh, my oh, gosh. Man. You had to clear out all those Dorado and stuff like that so you could get to the yellowfin. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's you know, right. When do you stand? The boats are doing an incredible job right now, especially on the uh, uh, one and three quarter day boats to two and a half day boats, because what they're doing and the conditions are just right to do it. They may take a trip to San Clemente Island and fish San Clemente Island for the big bluefin tuna. And there are big bluefin tuna down there. And if they catch them, great. If they don't, they still want 
their passengers to experience a great trip. So what they're doing is they're making the trip down south to where Wendy was, in some cases traveling 140, 160 miles to get down to where those fish so they can catch yellowfin tuna and dorado and yellowtail and everything like that. It's just a great time to be fishing. It is. And you know what was really neat is um, Merritt's daughter's boyfriend went on Alan Tawney's trip. And it was the first time for him fishing tuna. They ended up going and fishing the big tuna. He got a 253 on the kite. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was just amazing for someone to be able to just go out there for the first time and go catch a cow locally. That's amazing. Oh, man. Pretty much ruined for life, too. (laughs) He should quit now. (laughs) I know I'd be ruined for the day after a fish like that. That's for sure. And and not only that, those fish have come back, Stan, and they're they're hitting the flat falls again and the Colt snipers and and things like that. And it is just phenomenal fishing, and especially for this late in the season, to be uh, uh, catching fish like that. You know, when we were on our trip, this was a couple of weeks ago, but we got in that and we and Bobby goes, hey, Stanley, this stuff has started to eat it in, in, at night again on the flat falls. And either that two to 250 pound stuff, that smaller stuff on the flat falls or snipers or snippers, the ones that uh, that they make there for lead masters. But if you got them, bring them and throw them in. It was Katie bar the door on that stuff. We had two night bites that you, it was just an unbelievable. If you didn't get them during the day, don't worry. If you got on them at night, they were eating that stuff all the time. And that, that was just the beginning. And usually when that stuff starts, it goes through at just, just the start of the season, it's going to go through a long period of time now. So I'm looking forward to, you know, in the next little bit, you'll see long range boats that may go long range, but they'll come back up and they'll spend a couple of nights or a couple of days on that bluefin, especially since that bigger stuff has started to eat now. And a 255, by the way, that, that's a great fish. I mean, not how many people have ever got one over two, but a 250, that's a different ball game. So congratulations, by the way. You tell them from us, Wynn. Yeah, I sure now, will. Now, Wendy... You want to go out again, but you still, as a commercial fisherman, you're going out again at the end of this week. Tell us about what you're doing and what you're going to do with your catch. Well, you know, it's amazing how what a short period of time we started doing uh, commercial rockfish and the clientele that we've built up. Because on Saturday, yesterday, I was getting phone calls and text messages. Are you guys selling fish today? (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're going to head back out on Friday, do some uh, rock fishing, maybe catch uh, some other species, not sure yet, um, and then sell in Cyprus again um, on Saturday. Wow. Now, Wendy, coming on back from your trip, it sounds like you had an amazing trip. Were the fish processors there to uh, uh, greet you and tell us about that experience? Oh, yes. Um. Every time one of the boats comes in, uh, they're always there. And, of course, they were there. In fact, um, Marcus Medic on the New Low End, his boat came in. And they had, looked like maybe 60 to 80-pound bluefin uh, on the dock. So 
all the all the processors were there. They were all ready and waiting. And uh, for those that didn't want to process their fish, um, the landings had ice, and everybody could go ahead and if they wanted to process it themselves, go buy ice, put it in their ice chest, and haul their fish away and go take it home. Wow. Now, Stan, you're down there in Cabo San Lucas, and they're they're getting ready for the Cabo uh, Tuna Challenge in just a couple of weeks. And you're saying right now, traveling all around down the, at least in Cabo San Lucas where you've been, you're feeling comfortable going anywhere. You're not feeling like you're, uh, you're you know, maybe uh, it's somewhere where you're going to catch the virus and bring it on back. Things seem to be going pretty good down there. No, it's amazingly, you, you see a lot of happy people, especially the, you know, the tourists, the Americans that are coming down here. Actually, we have people from all over the United States that, that come down and all they've done is said, you know what, we're so happy to get out of the the malfunction and the lying and the cheating and whatever going on that's going on. And they get down here and, and it's like, you know, a breath of fresh air. You can go a lot of different places uh, all the restaurants are, are pretty much open that, that were going before and happy, happy, happy to see you. But they take more precautions, way more precautions than I see in California. Um, and there haven't there has not been a lot of problem down here at all. You know, they've been saying, you know, we're, we've been waiting for everybody to come back. Um, airlines, you know, and everything haven't been flying. But now, you know, in the last month, they've started going great guns. But it's been most excellent. And. I mean, I'm really looking forward. I'll be uh, hanging out with Sissy Plemons here at uh, Baja La Luna coming up in a day or two. And uh, La Golandrina has been open. Uh, the places up, you know, that a lot of people go, the Crazy Lobster and, and Pancho's. And, and Vita was one of the best Italian restaurants in town. Is wide. And, and Angelo there is one of the best guys. <laughs> he serves his grandma's uh uh, recipes. It's just a fabulous restaurant and good wines, but people are coming in and out of every place that you want to go. And a lot, I mean, the, the, the tourists are just now starting to come in because they just opened Cabo on the third. Uh, it opened up for the restaurants and everything. Else. So the, the fishing boats are going out. Numbers, numbers of boats I saw in the last week have just tremendously have elevated and the people here are happier than heck to have us down there. Hey, hey, guys, I just had uh, Rob Tressler, a recreational angler. A lot of you know Rob from Rob and Lori uh, fishing on the boats here in San Diego. I think he just got off the boat, so he was a little late getting here. But, Rob, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, John, I'm glad to be here. We uh, was out today on the half-day boats uh, working on the Bonita and uh, things like that and had a really fun time. You know, we were talking about uh, uh, Wendy just got back from a day-and-a-half trip. We're talking a little bit about the trip that you were on a week ago, but let's don't forget that going out on the half day and the three or three quarter day boats, there's still exceptional fishing out there. Absolutely. We had a wonderful time last weekend. We were out there and we went down south on the Condor on a two day and uh, caught tons of Dorado, yellowfin tuna, hipjack. We were, we went up north and we looked up there on the West end off of San Clemente, and we saw lots of breezers of that bluefin in that 30 to 50 pound range that all they would do was uh, shrug at us and swim away and uh, were difficult. So we made a run south all the way down past Ensenada. And uh, as we bumped into kelps down there and deep water marks, we could pull up all kinds of fish and had a wonderful time with fly line baits. I used surface iron because I'm hard headed. 
and they loaded the boat loaded the boat with Dorado on a JRI surface iron. So had a ton of fun and then turned around today and went out on the half day bed on the premiere with uh, Captain Brandon. And uh, we tore up the Bonita in the morning out there. They were boiling up and it was a good grade. It was a lot of fun throwing jigs and uh, plugs for them as well. That five to 10 pound stuff. So a lot of fun fishing the last couple of weeks. You know, we happen to make comment of the fact that these sports boats, especially if you go out on a, a day and a half, two and a half day boat, they're making the effort that they'll try to go after the bluefin. They go after the bluefin. They get the bluefin. Maybe they don't. And they'll make that trip down south if conditions permit. And that's really a superhuman effort on these guys' part to go after those fish and make their customers uh, happy. We were up at the Farnsworth on Saturday last weekend when we decided we're going to head down. And at the end of the day, Sunday, we were slightly south of San Catine. You could see San Martin Allen. I'll give credit to Jimmy. He burned a lot of fuel. Now we had a lake out there. The conditions were wonderful. Different story this week. And a lot of the boats that went up towards San Clemente in that area looking for bluefin got their socks knocked off by the weather up there. We saw Danny Wade. I was talking to him just now and uh, he sent me, uh, I was looking at a video on his uh, phone of the, um, I think it was the Purdue Top Gun 80. And they were taking water over the bow up there trying to make their way up uh, uphill to fish. It's really rough up there. I don't know how they're going to do. Uh, this was the exception. The uh, last couple of weeks, uh, the Pacific has been very, very kind to boats that have been out there. And it's, it's, it's settling back down now. In fact, uh, we had mild conditions today on the half-day boat. All right. Hey, guys, we got to take a break right now. We're going to talk more about our offshore experiences with Stan and, and Rob and and windy but uh let's take a break and coming up next we're going to have bill boyce on and bill boyce is going to talk to us about an incredible trip he made up in the pacific northwest so you're going to want to stay tuned this is rod and real radio we'll be right back after these messages Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality soft plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than two and a half million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto custom baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto custom bait. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. 
Visit Turner's.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Gotta love California in the summer. Just remember, COVID is still with us. So if you're going to the water, plan ahead. Follow local public health guidelines and make sure everyone wears a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. We all like to travel, whether it's for business or it's pleasure. But one thing we all like to do, it's save money. Well, we got a travel tip for you. Bill Boyce has put together a travel website for you that can save you a lot of money. You can become your own travel agent. The site is bookwithboyce.com. You're going to save yourself 5 to 35% on all nationally advertised travel rates. You want to uh, go to Mexico? You want to go to Hawaii? Bookwithboyce.com can offer you outstanding prices. And here's the deal. There's no surprises for accommodations, rental cars, or activities. So try bookwithboyce.com now and thank Bill Boyce later on. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself. Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, Rob, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Hey, before we get to our first guest, I just got this flash. Our friends at Cedros Outdoor Adventures are going to be offering winter trips to Manzanillo, Mexico. And I got to tell you, it is a great package. It's going to include your airfare, three days of fishing, your lodging, your meals, your gear, your uh, fish processing that you want. And you fish in absolutely one of the most fantastic locations in the world, Manzanillo. Now, these trips are going to be starting in November, and we'll have more information about it. But if you want to find out more, go to CedrosOutdoorAdventures.com and find out more about this great package that they're offering going down to Manzanillo. And let me tell you, it's all-inclusive for $1,995. It's great value. Take advantage of it. We'll have more information coming up in further weeks. Hey, Let's go right to our first guest. This guest went on, an, I think, an incredible trip. He took his boat. He did, he did what we all wanted to do. He hitched it up to the back of his truck, and away he went. He went up in the Pacific Northwest and just went fishing. Let's find out all about it. It's our good friend Bill Boyce did it. Bill, welcome to the radio show, sir. 
Hey, John, what's going on? Whoa. We're okay, Bill. Can you hear us okay? Hmm. He's up at his house. Maybe they burned out the wires. <laughs> Whoa. Gee, and I thought we had uh, Bill on a landline, too, uh, Otto. Uh, let's see what we're doing here. Okay. Otto, can you try and reconnect with him again? All right. Let's go uh, to Rob. Rob, you went on a pretty incredible trip yourself. It was a two-and-a-half day, and they went after Bluefin. It didn't work. Then they went after the uh, the Yellowfin and the Dorado further down south. It seemed like you were more successful there. But it isn't over yet because you've got another trip scheduled coming up next week. What, what are you going to do, and why are you doing it? Well, we want to get, um, uh, Lori, one of those uh, better-grade yellowfin tuna. Um, the last uh, couple of trips up, up uh, to the north towards the west side of San Clemente, the boats have been hitting uh, yellowfin. And uh, we'd gone on a trip prior to last weekend where we picked up a, a large group of bluefin between Lori and I but uh, that were 30 to 50 pounds. But there were yellowfin mixed in that were like 40 to 60-plus pounds. I picked up one that... On the processing scales, gilled and gutted was 57 pounds. And there were a number of those caught, and a number of boats have caught them up over 70 pounds. Lori's really wanting a yellowfin, and it's curious. We've got lots and lots of that smaller yellowfin down south off Ensenada. And, uh, in fact, uh, yesterday, uh, um, J.D. McGriff on the Fisherman 3 got into yellowfin tuna up on the finger bank and near the rock pile. But uh, that bigger stuff has all been up uh, – from the east end of San Clemente up past that into Farnsworth, where we where I caught the ones that I hooked. So we're going to give that a try. So we're doing a two-day this weekend. And then the weekend after that, we're very likely going to go on a 2.5-day. And there, once again, if that northern stuff isn't behaving or the weather's bad up there, we'll run south and try for some yellowfin and uh, fun stuff down there and hopefully yellowtail. All right. Hey, uh, I think we've uh, reconnected with Bill Boyce Auto. Do you have Bill? Or, Bill, are you there with us? I am here with you. That's really weird. I started talking and we got cut off. So hopefully you hear me now. All right. Well, we'll just have Otto put another quarter in the payphone that we're working out of there. <laughs> Away we go. Oh. Hey, Bill. Man, you Collab. went on a yeah. trip that was a bucket list type of uh, trip. Tell us how this thing how did it get set up and tell us what you did? Well, what it is, I've been, you know, pretty much since April after Fred Hall there, I came up to my cabin up here in the Angeles National Forest. I've had a bunch of renovations I've wanted to get done to it and just never had the time to do it in my life the last several years. So I thought this is a perfect time to get up here, kind of stay in seclusion, you know, not be a hermit by any means, but, you know, be up here, be outdoors, be active. And uh, I love doing carpentry work. So it's just been so fun just doing a bunch of these great renovations to the cabin. But after been doing that for five months straight, I'm like, you know what, I'm just jonesing to get on the road, go up and see a couple of friends, take the little skiff up there, and uh, do some freshwater fishing, do some saltwater fishing. And uh, that's exactly what I did. So talked to a bunch of my buddies. They're going, yeah, yeah, get you, know, get you in that boat up here, and, and uh, let's see what we can catch. So I started up in uh, Bodega Bay, uh, halibut fishing with uh, a good buddy of mine, Don Brown, who guides over in the Feather River and Orville and Clear Lake. So he came yep. down to join me, and we were fishing hookup baits. Didn't fish any live baits, just fished hookup baits, and caught a couple of nice halibut, our biggest one, about 22. And then the next day, 
we went over to Clear Lake and fished two days with Don and his uh, bass boat over there at Clear Lake, and, you know, caught a good number of bass. Not big ones. I think our biggest went about four, 4.5, you know, something like that. It was under five pounds, but, you know, a good, a, a, a good, uh, a good smattering of them. And, again, I was just fishing those little hookup baits, and it was really funny because he didn't think those would catch those, those Clear Lake bass. I said, look at the catch anywhere I fish him, I catch fish. And he was, uh, he was pretty surprised by that. But then, um, I went from there, I went to Humboldt State over the Humboldt County area and visited a few of my college buddies and, uh, didn't do any angling, but, uh, just, you know, just some visits and, and then, uh, got up the Oregon coast. And there's actually a guy who had been watching my destination Baja series on TV and he hit me up on Facebook and he said he was going to go down to La Paz, and who should he fish with? He wanted to do something like we had done on the show. And so I said, listen, Jonathan and Jill Roldan, you know, will definitely hook you up in La Paz with Tail Hunter. And they went down, he and his brother, and they literally copied everything we did on that episode and had a blast. And he told me, if you ever want to come to Oregon, come to the Rogue River. We've got this converted cannery you put about a half a million dollars into called Eagle Bay Lodging. You're more than welcome to stay and fish with us. So I did. And I tell you, I had a flipping blast catching king salmon right there in the rogue, right in the mouth of the rogue. I uh, did that for a couple of days, went up the Oregon coast, which I haven't been up in, good God, probably 25 years. And the biggest surprise was staying away from the smoke that was all in central Oregon. But more than that, a lot of those towns hadn't really changed much. And to me, that was, that was really, really the surprise of the trip. Got into southern Oregon, saw some friends from high school, uh, guys I worked with down at Scripps. Went all the way to Anacortes, which is a town just south of the British Columbia border, and uh, did some boating with a good buddy of mine there. Came back down to Seattle, and that's when Chad uh, Gerlich from Hookup Bates, he flew up to Seattle and we fished Puget Sound. I uh, got a salmon and some rockfish there, and then came down into Oregon and uh, fished Lake Odell. And uh, first first drop uh, on one of his baits, I caught a 14-pound lake trout. So that was pretty awesome. Wow. And then we slid nice. on down to Upper Klamath, which I'd heard stories about. But, you know, having gone to school for a couple of years up in Susanville, California, I always just knew the Upper Klamath to be kind of like a, you know, a very green – uh, body of water, more of a more of a duck and geese refuge than it was a fishing spot. But we had read a few nice reports about it on uh, line, and went over there and uh, found the spot. We caught forty trout that first day. We didn't get on the water till till about twelve. We fished till six. We fished six hours, caught forty trout. Our smallest was three and a half, and our biggest went ten. Holy <laughs> guacamole! It was like. It was, no, no, it was the biggest surprise of the trip. And uh, we pulled in, and there's a guy taking his boat out. He had a drift boat, and he had a couple of fly rods in it, and he, had a, he was doing a charter with a client. And he was telling us, you know, this is really a slow time of year. Uh, yeah, we went out, we got two fish this morning. Typically, we sight fish these things. And, you know, normally on a good day in the spring, you'll see 500 fish. Today we saw five, we got two and um, I go, well, that's really cool. He kind of told us a few of the spots to go, and we showed him some of those little baits we were going to fish. And he goes, oh, those look pretty fishy. So, you know, we launched, and he left, and we went out and caught 40 fish. <laughs> and I hit him back on, on, uh, on a message because he gave me his cell number. I did a, I did a mobile uh, 
uh, text and sent him some photographs. He hit me back immediately going, what? <laughs> you couldn't believe it. But that's so what those we, baits now, do. They're just a perfect minnow imitation. And Bill, so that was it. Uh, I just made a great you know, trip up north. I had a ton of friends, caught a bunch of fish, and um, I'm kind of bummed I'm back home now. <laughs> Bill, we've got uh, trout season that is <laughs> up at Cuyamaca. we still got a lot of uh, people going to the eastern Sierras. Give us uh, a little more details about the uh, the size and if color made a difference of the hookup baits you were using. No. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Just... Well, that's it for tonight, guys. <laughs> Sharing is caring, Bill. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. We're using the 130 seconds. Um, it start, we started the 130 seconds, and uh, we got a few fish. And went to the 16s and uh, got a few fish. And I kept noticing that the minnows under the boat were the size of, like, his one-eighth ounce baits. So we went to the one-eighth, and it made the biggest difference in the world. It's just matched the hatch. You know, it's no different than any of us do. But it was really interesting how the bigger baits were catching more fish consistently. So we just went to the, to the, uh, to the one-eighths. I was fishing what they call the shad pattern. And um, so I stuck with it. And, you know, you know, Chad wanted to check all kinds of his different colors and see how they did. I mean, he was basically fishing every color he has, and he was catching fish on all of them. But uh, they, this particular day, they were eating that one-eighth-ounce one bait, the best, and uh, just rigging it single. We didn't rig the double tandem thing like we did in Pyramid last year and did very well with. So basically just, just throwing them out there on six-pound test. Um, didn't even have to go to four. And uh, we had a, a blast, to be honest with you. In fact, we were the, the very end of the day, we were fishing right in front of this restaurant that's right there in the water. And we probably caught and released, you know, five, six, seven fish right there in about 15 minutes. And this guy come, we came running out of the restaurant as he was eating dinner. He's just going, <laughs> what the F are you fishing with? And we just started laughing. And we said, hey, well, we'll show you. We're going to come up and have dinner tonight. So we went up there. We literally had everybody at the restaurant who was a fisherman over at our table. And, you know, Chad, he was handing out baits like candy bars, and everybody was really excited about it. And then the store downstairs even did a big order with him. So it was a great, a great day for business and fishing. That's so, great. Billy, I want to know how deep were you fishing with that stuff? What, are you, what were you fishing, the okay. conditions? Okay. Conditions, great, great question, as typically you get from Stan. Um, the only water, it was really, really shallow, so we're deep, fishing these little bit deeper troughs. And when I say deep, the water is only like 9 to about 16 feet. And that eighth-ounce bait, you know, it goes down there pretty quick. So it's basically cast, one-two count, and just start twitching it back. So, um, but the fish were just holding in that, in that deeper, clean water. And the upper part of the lake was much cleaner than the lower part of the lake, where we splashed the boat in the morning. And the lake was turning over really bad. And, you know, we were metering fish. I mean, good marks, but they just weren't eating. We got a couple of hits. But, you know, I think when a lake turns over, maybe, Stan, you can, you can give us more insight on that, bass fishing. Sometimes when the lakes turn over, it just kind of freaks the fish out for a while. You know, it's like they're, it's like they're living in snow for a few weeks. And um, it's when we got up into that upper end of the lake where we got in that cleaner water, it just made all the difference in the world as far as the fish being, being willing to eat. But, um, yeah, we were just fishing basically, you know, in that water column. It wasn't really – it wasn't like we are fishing 30, 40 feet and, you know, working off rocky structure. I think it's just 
pretty much just these deep troughs along these docks and, you know, casting in the docks. A lot of the fish we, we were hanging were right under these boats and docks where a lot of that bait hangs around. And, uh, oh, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, it, it completely it throttled us. We weren't expecting that at all. But I tell you right now, we can't wait to go back up there in the spring during peak season because it, they, they said there's fish to 20 pounds in there. All right. Hey, uh, hey uh, Bill, we got to take a break right now. Can I ask you to stay over for a little bit? Yeah, sure. No problem at all, John. All right. Yeah, Stan, Wendy, uh, Rob Chester, myself, we're talking with Bill Boyce. Bill had an epic trip, as you can see, uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, Northern California, Oregon. So stay tuned. There's a lot more to come after these messages. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands. And if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers the passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensandCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble, Greg, or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Rod Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Stand with me, Rob Tressler and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Our special guest this hour is Bill Boyce. And Bill, Rob Tressler and I were uh, just chit-chatting here during the break, and he made the suggestion that if you're getting tired of doing renovations on your cabin, come on down and see him here in San Diego. <laughs> He's got a few things here that you can get into. <laughs> yeah, right, Rob. There you go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anytime an opportunity pops up, you got to grab it. It's just like fishing. That was fantastic. No the doubt story about you it. Just told. <laughs> oh my no. God! No, I've I've had a blast with it. Actually, doing a lot of tiling and some you know carpentry work, some finished stuff, some framing, and um, oh, it's been uh, it's been therapeutic. To be perfectly honest with you. Good. Hey, tell us about this trip again. Now, did you? How long did it take it to chart it out, or did you kind of go by the seat of your pants? And how long were you gone? I was gone two weeks, and um, yeah, it's about three weeks. Uh, three weeks before, I just started contacting a few of my friends, saying, "Hey, look, I'm coming up that way," and they're like, "Hey, well, come on by, man." So I just kind of set my schedule up of you know who I was going to visit and where I was going to be staying, and I camped out several days and loved that, and and um, just had. You know, just just kind of had it set up before I even got on the road. So I always had a place to look forward to going and and folks to see and and uh, just had some really really quality time with quality friends and and uh, you know it was it was a good break for all of us. You know, the whole this whole COVID thing has been you know nobody's been real you know real out there and and uh, it's been kind of a, a weird break and you know all of us. And so this was kind of a way of, uh, you know, just kind of breaking that monotony and, and uh, seeing a few folks. And, you know, being safe, obviously, but um, it, was, uh, it was just a, a real good reset, I think, in all of our lives. You know, the boat that you were trailering behind you, it wasn't just like a bass boat or, uh, you know, some type of a ponga or something like that. You've got a, 
little bit of a unique setup. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, that was, it's called the Power Skiff. I've had it at Fred Hall for, I don't know, three, four years. We didn't bring it last year, but um, it's, um, it was the, it's from the original Hobie Power Skiff. Uh, Phil Edwards of Hobie, you know, the hydrodynamic guru that he is, that everything he touches that has to do with the water pretty much performs flawlessly. And they had built this boat as a 15-foot skiff. They made a 13 out of 15 back in the 80s and 90s. Um, and originally it was like a first a surf rescue boat over in uh, Hawaii back in the 80s before the whole jet ski and wave runner thing. They would use this skiff to go inside, you know, pipeline and gas chambers and, and those big breaks over the North Shore, the winter break uh, in, in Oahu, and pick up surfers and get them out of there. So it's a highly maneuverable boat, very difficult to sink, big drain plugs on it. If you took green water over it, you could just drain the deck. So he made it into a really high performance, almost like a motocross bike on a water boat. But in the mid-'90s, they started building their kayaks. And roto-molding plastic kayaks was a lot easier than putting together, you know, a top haul, bottom haul, rigging, you know, rigging, you know, steering and, and fuel systems and throttles and boat trailers and boat trailer lights. And they just got out of the boating industry. And that's when, um, uh, you know, a company in uh, Long Beach picked up the molds, the original molds, started Power Skiff, took just the name Hobie off of it. And they were making, you know, boats successfully out of Long Beach and brought me into the thing about four years ago to start designing them into more of a fishing-type uh, boat. So I had a blast with that. We designed um, two different models. There's a center console called the Coastal Cortez. And then there's a, it's originally a flats boat um, design that we made into a little bass boat. We call it the uh, Bay Bass, Bay and Bass. So it's a good little bay boat. Great little bass boat, and uh, super lightweight. They uh, they run very efficiently on a thirty horse Suzuki. I've got a sixty on mine, and it's almost a forty mile an hour boat. But they get about ten, eleven miles to the gallon. They fit in the wow. garage. You can tow them with a four cylinder engine. So it's been it's a boat that we thought we would get a lot of people maybe out of the kayak and into a boat. But um, and we've ha- certainly had sales there. But what we really found a niche for ourselves is with these uh, big boat owners, these mega yacht owners that that want this boat as a tender, as opposed to inflatable. So we've been pretty busy the last couple of years, you know, doing a lot of big boats, uh, skiffs for big boats. But that's what it is. It's basically a high performance 15 foot uh, V haul. It rides amazing. I mean, you're in a 15-foot boat. You can't even believe the way it goes through chop. And it's just a hull design. Again, Phil Edwards, just a guru. And, um, but we've made them into really, really trick little fishing skiffs. So this is um, uh, that boat, 15-foot power skiff center console. And it sounds like you could take it anywhere because from the videos I've seen from them, you've had it fishing the Gulf of, of uh, the Sea of Cortez. You've You've taken it up. You're fishing Bodega Bay. You're fishing freshwater. You're fishing saltwater. I have tried to pick up people hauling my bass boat at SeaTech Airport, and I got to tell you, it is not fun. But it sounds like with the maneuverability of this boat, you can just about take it anywhere. Oh, it's a really good boat, and I'll tell you, you know, um, Chad and I have been fishing it a lot in some pretty sketchy uh, uh, conditions. We're fishing the Marina del Rey 
I don't know, about four weeks back. It was a 15-mile-an-hour wind coming down, the, you know, coming down from Malibu, coming down the line there. And it doesn't matter how you stop the boat, what position it's in, it always finds downwind, down sea. So it always puts its stern into the swell, and it just drifts perfectly straight downwind. So you're never rocking in it. It's just it's got great drift manners, as I'll say. And um, because there's no hard uh, strikes in the boat that have to take energy as the boat's going through the water, the hull is a 12-degree V, but super smooth. So water just slides off that hull. It's almost like a water ski. You know, like, it would be like a deep V water ski if you could think of something like that. And um, it's just got great manners, and it's just a real soft-riding little boat. Um, All right. Yeah, we've we've really we really enjoyed. It. We fished Pyramid Lake with it too, uh, which you know that's big water that can get pretty pretty nasty up there too. But um, I was doing a San Diego one of the Del Mar Fred Hall shows a couple of years ago, and a guy walked in my booth and he goes, "Oh, that's a power skiff," and I said, "Yeah, sure is." I go, "You familiar with it?" He goes, "I've got one." I said, "Oh, you've got a power skiff? What year?" He says, "It's an '86." I go, oh, "One of the original ones. That's really awesome." And I go, "So you do a lot of fishing?" And he said, no, you know, not really. I go, oh, you don't? He goes, no, I'm more of a free-dive spearfisherman. Spear he goes, that's why I like the low rail. It's easier for me to get in out of. I go, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, you want to see a nice bluefin? I said, sure, I'll see a nice bluefin. Pulls out his phone, 178-pound bluefin. He shot and then brought it back into that skiff, him and a buddy. And I said, oh, my God, where were you? He goes, I was out at the 43. <laughs> so he had the 15-foot boat out the 43 sticking a 178-pound bluefin. Oh, man. Hey, uh, Bill, in the time we have left, uh, you know, it seems like we've all been sequestered uh, during this uh, COVID period, uh, but you've not been letting any moss grow on your north side. You know, we we have the ad for you for bookwithboyce.com, but you're taking on a few other things. Uh, Tell us just briefly uh, in the time that we have left on uh, some of the other things that you're working with. Oh, sure, John. Yeah, I mean, the book, with we I was so upset. It was really going well. Oh, my God, I had people booking trips, loving the discounts, and then COVID showed up, and people just like, they're just not traveling. And so I took this time. I'm kind of redoing the uh, portal on that, too, so I should have even some better discounts and even more resorts and stuff when we come out of this thing. So that's 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 the good news on that, and I'm looking forward to that all happening. Um and I've got a bunch of big resorts that want me to start repping them as well. You know, Tropic Star Lodge, a few places in Guatemala, some of the places up in Alaska. So uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, hooking up with those. And I'll, and I'll, I'll announce those when, when, when we get settled on that. But um, it was about a year and a half ago, I was working on my little skiff with Chris Wheaton, a good buddy of mine, and um, yanking the boat on the trailer to do some work on the little bow roller, and I completely yanked out my shoulder. So... Uh, it was a torn labrum and a badly swollen rotator cuff. And the surgeon said, look, Bill, it's going to be a two-hour surgery, but about a six-month recovery. He said, what I would do if I was you, I would look at CBD for pain relief, and I would give it about four weeks, six weeks, and if you can find a good quality CBD to do to take away that pain, your body might just heal itself. He goes, kind of borderline, but... I would give that a try first before you go into a surgery. So I didn't know anything about CBD, nothing, to be perfectly honest with you. But I started researching it, and it's pretty, it's pretty easy. It's all about milligrams per ounce and what you pay for those milligrams. So the highest concentration of milligram per ounce at the cheapest price is going to be probably the, pro- the product you want to buy, 
Well, I found some CBD, blew away with the um, with the pain relief it gave me externally, but internally is what it really did. So the more I studied it, I realized that every human body, every dog, every cat, every horse, every animal has cannabinoids in your body, which um, are sensors. It would be just like your O2 sensor or an airflow, mass airflow sensor or a cam sensor or a crank sensor in your car. When those go out, it tells your body it needs an immune response to that. So you get a new sensor and you fix your car. Same thing with the body. If you start having thyroid issues, adrenal gland issues, uh, um, you're gaining weight. You're not eating anything else. Your body's not regulating this temperature right. You're, you're losing, you're getting fatigued. You're losing focus. Those are signs that your endocannabinoid system is going sideways. And so that's where CBD, which really was only um, uh, discovered back in 1992, the endocannabinoid system, I became now like this expert on CBD and started looking at companies. And I found one down in Orange County called BioRains, and they make the only water-dissolvable CBD tincture. And it's got about a 95% absorption rate compared to a 5 to 15% absorption rate from the CBD oils that people have been doing. So I got involved with this company, loved the product, did not have to get a $30,000 surgery, a six-month recovery. I've got full, you know, full use of the arm uh, and did, and now I've got a bunch of my friends using it. They're getting better sleep, uh, again, more focus, uh, much less body pain. Some of my friends have gotten off oxycodone, not that I can make – that claim, but I tell you right now, that's their testimonials, and, and I've even had people with pets and even miniature donkeys buying it for their pets, and so I've really had a good time, you know, not just selling it, you know, because to me, it's, it's, it's way above and beyond making a profit on this product. It's my friends that have benefited from it and hearing their stories and their thank yous that has made this thing all worthwhile. So, um, yeah, I started a little website with that company. It's called CBDForMeClub.com. CBD, oh. the number four, MeClub.com. And, uh, oh, the products are amazing. They ship right out of Tustin. They make the stuff there in Tustin. And um, I've had a great time with, with, with all of a sudden this newfound CBD. And um, Papa's Pilar Rum, which I had at the Fred Hall Show, much to the uh, delight of many of my friends that came by my booth. And um, I've been a West Coast ambassador for them for a couple of years. And so, uh, yeah, I've been promoting those spirits there, kind of getting these tequila people on the West Coast that we are into enjoying a fine line of rum. So I'm kind of like Dr. Feeling Good right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bill, it it sounds good. Just going back to this uh, CBD oil, just want to uh, 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 just ask, it's something that's completely legal and something that isn't habit-forming or anything like that. It's just another natural way to help your body heal. Absolutely. Oh, there's no THC in it. You'll never get high. You'll feel nothing from that but relief. And it's really interesting, John and and uh, and, and Rob and, and, and Stan and Wendy, uh, you know, again, I admit I knew nothing about CBD, but I do now. And here's the thing. Um, the thing that really, really amazed me about it was how many doctors are running away from opiates because they're scared of litigation. You know, Johnson & Johnson had that huge lawsuit on them a couple, uh, couple of years back, or I think it was even last summer, and it was all about the opiate thing. And I tell you, a lot of these doctors realize there's going to be massive amounts of litigation of people that, you know, 
have, have, have been addicted to opiates and all of a sudden go, you know what, I'm going to sue my doctor. This is crazy. I need money. I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm unemployed, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of incentive for people that, to turn that ugly way. And so doctors are realizing, man, CBD is, you know, is a great option that, A, is non-addictive, and, B, um, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, non, uh, you know, uh, non, uh, um, you know, in, in, in non mental enhancing as far as getting you high and all that other stuff. So, and you can't over it. You can't OD on it. You know, so it's really a great answer for that. And I tell you, I've I've certainly seen the benefits of it as with many of my friends, and and I'm really excited for anybody else to try it and give me their stories and their testimonials. All right. Hey, Billy, we're going to have to get down the road, but I appreciate you spending some time with us and sharing with us your adventures in the Pacific Northwest and updating us on what you're doing. Uh, just really quick, was there a little overtime? People want to get a hold of you. How's the best way to do it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you could go to that site. Um, I'll be doing the bookwithvoice.com. Like I said, I'm redoing the portal. Should have that done in a couple of weeks. And uh, But, yeah, if they want to check out any of the different CBD uh, products, again, these water dissolvable with a super high absorption rate uh, for sleep and, 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 and body discomfort, I would go to CBD, the number four, me, club, the CBD for me, club.com. And, uh, yeah, check it out. The company's called BioRains. And it's a biotech, biochem company out of Tustin, and they are in the cutting edge of all these type of products. So thanks for your time, you guys. My hey, God, Billy, man, we got to go fishing one of these days. With us. Hey, we got a break right now. We're going to be coming up next with Billy Egan live from Las Vegas in the U.S. Open. Stay tuned. There's a lot more Rod and Reel Radio to come. Turner's Outdoors California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea. Then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers we're thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto custom baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto custom bait. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT, for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. 
1974, I developed the Bass Pro Program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call one 800 227 7262 or just spell bass boat 1-800 bass boat i know there's too many letters but the t is free and the calls on me that's 1-800 bass boat the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance for more information log on to 1-800 bassboat.com hi this is Lori heath you may know me from some of the sports boats out of san diego i want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart the san diego blood bank Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Hey, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Wendy had to jump off uh, the air here, and so she'll be not she'll not be with us for the rest of the show. Still, Stan is still with us from Cabo San Lucas. So is Rob Tressler here. But hey, we got a next guest on. He is the director for Western Outdoor News, One Bass, and the 2020 U.S. Open is just about ready to kick off on Lake Mead. We're talking to him live from Las Vegas, Nevada, Mr. Billy Egan. Billy, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. I'm actually sitting in Boulder City looking over the lake on a nice little house on a deck looking at the lake and the sunset. It's pretty gorgeous. Oh, man. You know, that's a great place to be, Billy. I'll give all things being said. But uh, since you're on here, and I got a little bit of time, I'm going to have to run here pretty quick. But a lot of guys are asking about the Open. I'm not able to be there because I'm on a family vacation every time, I mean, every year, same time. But we were talking about, you know, how you're going to be able to run that with uh, you know, the COVID thing. Is Are, are they going to have, how are they going to have the draw? And usually it's indoors in a big arena with, with the draw and then, you know, the weigh-ins, how are they going to run that? So um, you've got some explaining to do, Lucy. It would be fun. Even the tackle thing that you probably had today uh, for the giveaways, how did all that run? Well, you know, it went well as well as could be. Obviously with COVID, there's a lot of changes and, you know, you're having to roll with the punches and uh, work on the fly a little bit because, you know, you, you, you get to a facility that you haven't been to, which is Sunset Station, a great hotel. We're usually at Boulder Station, but Sunset's done a great job. But, you know, you're not familiar with the landscape and, and the meeting rooms and so forth. So, um, obviously, with COVID, we're not able to do our traditional sponsors row where all the sponsors get a table. We've got usually 35 to 38 tables of sponsors, and, you know, the 500 anglers get to come in and handshake and talk to each of the sponsors during that time about their products and what it is they offer and what they're doing for them at the tournament. But can't do that because you can't have – big, large gatherings indoors. 
can't do the award ceremony indoors. And today was a little, you know, uh, hurdle. We uh, had a registration between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. And, uh, you know, these anglers always surprise me. I, I think I've got them nailed, and they always uh, throw out a curveball. They all decided to show up at 8 o'clock this morning instead of 9 o'clock. So um, it was a process, but we got them through as fast as we can could uh everybody was wearing their masks and complying with the rules that we have set forth here in nevada and sunset station um it took a little longer than normal because of that but uh you know everybody knows that we're having to deal with changes and um uh it you know it ended a little after two o'clock today nobody got a one pound penalty and we're ready to rock and roll tomorrow uh first flight starts at 6 30 they're going to launch at Safe Light, we got 243 boats for the Wombass, Bass Camp, Mercury, 38th anniversary U.S. Open here, uh, and it's going to be brought to you live uh, through our Wombass or Wombass.com website. Um, Mark Jeffries from Bass Zones at home, but he's going to be doing a live feed from uh, the weigh-ins, which will be each day Pacific Standard Time, 2:30 to about six o'clock. Uh, so if you want to tune in and watch your favorite anglers weigh in, um, you can do that. Obviously, there won't be much of a crowd at all other than any immediate family that has traveled with the anglers that will be at the weigh-ins. Um, and also, uh, there will only be one angler from each team allowed to come to the weigh-in itself. So not everybody will be able to be seen on live, but at least we're able to run the 38th anniversary tournament. And, uh, you know, it's not 250 boats, but I can't complain with 243 uh, with everything going on. It, uh, it's a testament to what these guys uh, love and care and uh, really stand up for and uh, fishing and our nation is definitely at the top of the list. So how do you run that? You know, you have a flight every, how many anglers in a flight? Are you running 25 well, or 30 in a flight? How many flights do you have? Typically, typically we do uh, 15 minute flights um, separation between flights and the first flight would be doing at two o'clock and we would typically do 10 to 12 flights uh, with around 20 boats or so to get that done. But in order to create some additional spacing like we did at Clear Lake, we're going to be doing 20 minute uh, flights separation so that there's a little bit more time between each flight. Uh, And we've got a different system that we implemented last year for our WANs that worked really, really well. Uh, to spread things out and to give us enough time to get everybody processed. So we're hoping that extra five minutes will just give us a little bit more time to do so. And um, the real battle was just getting the guys who didn't fish last year's U.S. Open up to speed and on how we changed things up last year. But that uh, went over real well, and I'm actually going to be doing a live uh, Facebook meeting on our Wombass Facebook page at 7 o'clock tonight to go over some of the other particulars and try and get a little bit more information to all those guys before we start tomorrow. So what's the last flight of the, of the day, book all days? 540. 540. So yep. that last yep. flight in the morning, uh, if you're doing a 630 start and it's 15 minutes of flight, your last flight out is going to be Oh, seven, eight. Man, could we'll, be we'll, like, we'll like, give everybody out between 6.30 and 7 o'clock, so that last flight will be going out at 7. So they'll be getting some extra time on the water. But then second day, the guys that were in the last flight were going to be in the first flight. So everybody gets about the same amount of time except for those guys in the middle that just get what they got. Yep. Billy, this has been such a great event over the years, and you have so many – past champions that come back and fish this thing year after year. As a matter of fact, last weekend, 
we uh, had uh, it set up where we had a conversation with Aaron Martins. We thought he'd be at home. And no, Aaron was on the road on his way to fish the U.S. Open. He's a former champion. Tell us about some of the other former champions that are there uh, trying to renew their uh, championships. Well, yesterday I actually had an opportunity to get out on uh, a uh, fountain cigarette uh, boat that goes over 80-plus and maxes at 104 with three past champions, Aaron Martins, who's a three-time champion, John Murray, which is a two-time champion, also uh, Brian Belvick, uh, who's gotten a couple. And we went out for a little leisure boat ride through the channel at a 80-mile-an-hour uh, little uh, jog, uh, passing Perfect. all the boats and everybody in the, in the That'll straighten uh, your hair out. Yeah, it was fun. It was awesome. I mean, at one point I stood up a little too much and it almost blew me back. So that's how fast we're going. But, you know, you got Aaron Martins, you got John Murray, you got uh, Byron Velvick. Um, we've got Justin Patty at 1 1. Salvucci is back, who won one. Johnny Johnson won one. He's back. Roy Hawk. You know, a lot of guys that have won this either once and or twice are here. You know, Rupp Clunt couldn't make it, unfortunately. He would, another guy that's won two events here. But uh, Clifford Perch couldn't make it. But uh, we've got a lot of guys that have won this and know what it takes to put it together. The lake is fishing tough, really, really tough. So the guy after three days that wins this is really going to earn it. So uh, tell us, so is the, is the uh, weather forecast for another three days without wind? Basically, uh, a week ago when I was looking at it, uh, it was calling for 20-mile-an-hour winds today and tomorrow, but that's completely gone. We've got sub-90 temperatures, wind, nothing over, uh, I think, 5 to 10 miles an hour at the most at times. So it's going to be a comfortable, you know, three days for these guys. We're not going to have to worry about, God, I hate saying this, uh, weather issues that will cause any safety concerns. <laughs> and now that yourself. I've said it, a monsoon's <laughs> going to come because it hasn't rained here in 160 days. But guess what? It'll probably show up while we're here. You know, uh, the good thing is if you have a little weather, one thing about Lake Mead, it's, a, it's got its own personality. And if you're in an area of Lake Mead where there isn't a lot of wind and it's just clean, slick water, the fishing could get pretty shut off and tough, which I'm sure that they have had pre-fishing. What, what they may all be praying for is a little wind without a lot of it because that can help the the bite by leaps and bounds on that water. And then what happens if it blows one way one day and uh, you're on the fish and the next way it blows from another way, you're off them because the fish move. And that's the toughest part about that lake. Yep. Definitely. The, the weather's going to play a part in this. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I spent one day on this lake with uh, one of the pro anglers and we fished a lot of, uh, areas a lot and we couldn't get any more than three keepers to go that day. So, you know, if anybody's guessed what's going on out here, obviously it's going to take three days of, uh, really good decision-making to happen. Um, you know, good equipment, uh, that's going to last, for those three days. Luckily, we've got Mercury here to take care of uh, the uh, Mercury engines, which, you know, are, are a major portion of the guys that fish here run Mercury engines. So they're here to support Basscat. Rick Pierce is out here to support Basscat, uh, our t two title sponsors. Uh, we've got Kuyu, uh, which is uh, their hunting apparel um, and 
Phoenix Rods that are doing the live broadcast sponsorship this year. So we'll be doing that each day from the, the weigh-ins. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to take some good decisions. You know, obviously it's a big, big lake, but uh, a lot of chit-chatting going on about how tough it is and where it's going to be one and how it's going to be one. It's going to be tough for everyone, Billy. You know, hey, tell us a little bit about the award ceremony because the award ceremonies, one, always made it a grand affair because it was a big celebration. Everyone had fished hard on the lake, and you wanted to come and applaud those people that did well. Several years ago, uh, Mike Falkstad, he came on the show, and he was telling us that the year that he won it, uh, they had it out, uh, I think it was the Imperial Palace, the uh, award ceremonies, and they got Siegfried and Roy to come out with one of their white tigers, and they had Mike's winning chest uh, check around the neck of one of the tigers, and the tiger came out, and Mike had to take the check <laughs> away from the tiger. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, well, the, the only tiger hanging out, handing out checks this year will be me. <laughs> we basically now, because you, of covid are going to be doing for the uh, award ceremony because like i know you've clip. got to tone it down a little bit uh, as opposed to previous years right yes yeah, so well definitely with covid going on we can't have an award ceremony like we have in the past which a lot of guys you know are, are disheartened about uh, as a, as I am i because you can't really give that uh, winner his uh, full due and some of the guys that you know worked real hard to get those checks but we're going to do it just like we did at the Clear Lake Open uh, back in July. We're basically after the event's over, as soon as it's over on Wednesday, because um, most of the guys that felt like they did pretty well are going to be hanging out to try, try and find out where they ended up. Sure. I will quickly uh, surmise the, the standings and call out the top 10 guys on the pro side, the top 10 guys on the co-anger side, and then the three guys on the angler of the year race for both sides and uh, tell them to hang out and the rest of them I'm going to send home. And then shortly wow. after that, we'll do a quick little live uh, broadcast and give the top 10 guys their trophies and their checks and uh, mail the checks to the rest of them when we get home. Now, Stan, uh, Billy, if you can hold on for just a minute, Stan, you got to jump off right now because you've got another engagement you've got to go to. Yeah, I'm, I'm headed uh, down, down to a, Lovely dinner with the wife and uh, sitting here in Cabo San Lucas. So I'm suffering through, uh, you know, a, a different environment while Billy puts the U.S. Open on. I, I would really love to be there, Billy, but maybe next year, bud. All right. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for being, for on. being with it. us. Uh, well, Billy, uh, congratulations to you on, on building this this thing up. Uh, uh, 240 boats. I, I don't know, uh, you know, a lot of. Different things had to be worked out as from networking with the Park Service and all the people getting it together. Now you have an event that's at two hotels. But congratulations to you and Western Outdoor News for putting this thing together. Hey, I appreciate that, John. And uh, just a shout out. We're going to do a comment. We haven't let out the, the full details yet, but it's a saltwater event. We're going to be doing a California yellowtail jackpot in uh June of uh, next year, and so everybody uh, look out for that. It's going to be an awesome event, just like our California tuna jackpot with uh, tuna side pots. And uh, check us out on our Facebook page or our website at wonews.com. But thanks again for having me on, and uh, I'm going to be going to do a live Facebook thing here shortly from now to all the anglers to get ready for tomorrow. 
Well, Billy, hopefully uh, you can uh, spend some time with us next week to give us the results uh, of the uh, U.S. Open. And thanks a lot for being with us tonight and uh, giving us a preview on what's about to take place. Appreciate it, sir. You got it, John. Thanks, guys. All right. Billy Egan, one bass director on the night before the first day of fishing for the U.S. Open. And, Rob, I know uh, even though we've been talking saltwater with you, you're a freshwater guy too. And I don't know of a freshwater fisherman that does not want to be at the U.S. Open right now. Absolutely. I mean, it gives you the itch. I I go down to the garage, and I still have all my bass gear down there. And uh, it would be awesome just to be an observer at this event because this is the one where – it's the big show, and you get to see some real legends of the sport down there. And and it's I like it when it's a challenging conditions and finding out what these anglers that are world-class do to break the code, as we used to call it, on tough days. And I know that, Mead, I've heard in the past of stories, and I've read the, read the write-ups for the other tournaments where at times it's been a tough bite. So having, you know, having the opportunity to just to be there and be a fly on the wall and listen to the the struggles and the strategies that these world-class anglers use to, to figure out how to make these fish bite when it gets problematic is, is a real educational opportunity. I've been bass fishing for gosh, 40 years now. And um, I still learn something every day about it when I get out on that water and having a chance to listen to these folks would really be a, a treat. Well, you know, Lake Mead is, it's a great equalizer. And that's why so many of the pros that have come out and fished that. And uh, Billy mentioned Rick Clum, but in the past days, Jimmy Houston and Roland Martin and uh, uh, Bill Dance and just all the who's who have come out here and fished. Some of them love it. Some of them hate it. I know I speak with Gary Dobbins. He's passed one or two. And he said this was the lake that he loved to hate. <laughs> I mean, he hated this lake, but he loved to fish it because it's a great equalizer. You don't come over here with any hometown advantage. Even the local fishermen that might be fishing out of Las Vegas or Henderson or Boulder or wherever they come, they have no advantage over a guy like Aaron Martins or any of the fellows that are coming from around the country to fish this lake. It's still is it's down considerably from where it is from past years. But it's still 1,100 miles of shoreline. It's a huge body of water. And you've got to figure it out. And what's going to happen is there aren't fish all over the lakes. You've got 240, I think, was it 42 teams that are fishing this event, Billy told us. They've been pre-fishing. And then they're going to start going out and fishing in earnest. And you'd be surprised how a lake this big can all of a sudden start getting small because you can't fish it. You know, there aren't fish everywhere. There are known spots. Yep. There are patterns that you've established. They're not all over the lake. So this lake, even though you might try travel, let's say 60 miles, if you launch at Colville Bay and you go up into Greg's basin, that's a 55, 60 mile trip. And you've got to know that there's something happening to fish up there. And if you find that there's someone up there fishing your pattern too, man, all of a sudden, you have to start refiguring, and it's a real puzzle to put together. It adds another layer of strategy to bass fishing because it's such a huge area. 
uh, you basically have to make a commitment and hope that you were right. And one and note two that fingers crossed, toes crossed that the weather's going to hold. If you make a long run, especially across the main body of that lake, you've made a commitment both from a boat seamanship standpoint as well as from a strategic standpoint and making sure you're in the right area. Because if you find out, oh, actually they're down in Overton or some other area, you may be in trouble and not get there in time to hit that bite. Not only that. The lake is so big, there can be different weather conditions in one part of the lake or the other. If you're going up and you're fishing way north into uh, Greg's Basin, you can have flat, calm water or a little ripple. And, you know, and you're looking at your watch and you're going, okay, uh, I've got about 60 minutes to get back to the weigh-in. And you start jetting across uh, uh, down past Temple Bar and and through the Narrows and everything, and you get to... uh, uh, Benelli Bay, and you can find that there are six-foot wind waves there. And Scary. you can eat up all that time. You can break a lot of equipment on your boat and maybe not make it in. So you've got you've to really schedule things really well. That's why pre-fish is so important over there, to try and give uh, a, a, an impression on just how awesome this lake is. But its awesomeness is what makes it so attractive because you're – fishing against the best guys in the West. You want to do well over there, but the natural scenery, you come into a cove and there's, there's bighorn sheep, there's donkeys. Occasionally you can see bobcats. There's all kinds of animals, coyotes and whatever it is. So it's just absolutely a fantastic fishing experience. Absolutely. I've, I've been on it once and just the beauty of the place is breathtaking. Never mind the fishing. Yeah. Well, the fishing, the guys are fishing with this type of field, not only for first place, the new bass boat, but I think close to $100,000 in cash on the pro side. There'll be a big check, too, on the AAA side. And what's nice, what a lot of the fishermen like about this particular event is the pro and the AAA, it's a shared weight. Uh-huh. So you guys are fishing together. You're fishing for big fish prizes. You're fishing for uh, big weight prizes. And you're fishing for the glory of having fished the U.S. Open, not only survived it, but done well. And it's a great experience. That's why so many people do it again and again and again. I love that. And I've I've always preferred a shared weight. I mean, both work, but the shared weight uh, program for me is better because then – you can set the boat up for both partners on the boat, really. And I've fished the back as well as the front of boats in the past. And it's a lot more fun for me, I think, the shared weight uh, plan. So, yeah, hopefully um, they'll stay safe. The weather will cooperate. And maybe the fish will wake up for them with a little bit of the breeze, like Stan was saying. And so they'll start to catch them. Yeah, you know, we all look for good weather there, you know, because when that wind comes up, it can be dangerous. It's hard to maneuver around. But I've got to tell you, with that clear, clear water, as Stan was saying, you get a little, real, little ripple on the water, and it actually makes the fishing better. We'll find out next week how uh, everyone's done. We'll try to get Billy on again with us to give us the results. Let's see if we can also get in contact with the winner of the event. Hey, Rob and I, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, Jeff Hunt from the lobster port is with us he's going to give us a a little bit of an idea of how the opening of lobster season was and maybe some tips that can help us with our recreational hooping stay tuned rob and i will be back after these messages
This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble, Greg, or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419, or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Run Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes. Now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance.
Wendy Toshihara is back with us. Uh, we have Rob Tressler here. And just one more note. We announced it in the first hour, but we're going to announce it again. Our good friends at Cedros Outdoor Adventures are offering complete turnkey packages between November and March down to Mazanillo, Mexico. It includes airfare, fishing, lodging, meals, everything. You just supply your body. You get on down there. The price is $1,995. It's between November and March only. If you need more information, go to cedrosoutdooradventures.com. All right. Hey, you know, we just had the lobster season open up last week, and why not find out just exactly what happened? We've got a good friend, Jeff Hunt, from the Lobster Port out of Oceanside with us. Jeff, welcome to Rod and Real Radio, sir. Hey, thanks for having me back again, John. Uh, yeah, it definitely was a, a pretty decent opener this year. You know, uh, you know, yeah, we say it's good, it isn't good, or, or whatever is. What are the conditions that make for a good opener? Is it uh, weather, ocean temperature, before a storm, after a storm? What do you think, Jeff? Well, this year I think it was similar to either last year or the year before. We opened up on a harvest moon. Uh, which means that the, the the moon is pretty much at its brightest uh, for a few a few weeks, um, and so when you have that much uh, illumination from the moon for an opener, uh, it's still pretty tough to uh, to to get the lobsters out of their hiding spots. Uh, the lobsters are going to be hiding from everything else that wants to eat them besides us. So they're going to be hiding from uh, from <laughs> exactly from uh, from sheep's head, from uh, um, octopus, from eels. Uh, so you can coax them out a little bit uh, in that in that bright moon. So it really makes kind of for uh, an extended opener. So just like last year, the first the first week was um, pretty pretty steady with uh, not a whole lot of uh, limits made, but definitely some lobsters, uh, uh, you know, uh, netted from uh, you know all the way from the Mexican border up to uh, Santa Barbara, from what I heard. Right now. Jeff, at the Lobster Port there, you service not only recreational anglers, but also the commercial guys. So let's start off. Did you get any word, you know, we how it was for the commercial anglers and how the season w- uh, opened up for them? This was uh, another one of those years where it wasn't uh, a spectacular open. Uh, a lot of guys scratched out a pretty decent couple of first days. Uh, you know, the first uh, three or four weeks is really the moneymaker um, for these guys to to get the uh, to get the lobsters uh, caught, um, trying to get that best price at the beginning. Uh, so it was kind of it was it was a pretty okay opener for the, uh, the commercial guys. Yeah, and and just talk a little bit about commercial fishing, uh, lobster fishing. Uh, there's only a certain number of permits. The permits are extremely expensive. This <laughs> is their you know the time of the period to to really make their money. So. Definitely, the last thing you want to see is people getting in the way of the commercial guys, and especially sometimes, unfortunately, we hear about poaching, and that's something you just do not want to do. Exactly, and there's two points to that. Um, the commercial guys, they get a chance to put their uh, traps out uh, just before the sport guys get to put uh, their nets out and catch. Uh, so if you saw on the opener uh, on Saturday that there was probably already some nets out, uh, or some uh, commercial commercial gear out uh, in their normal spots, which would be anywhere from 16 to 60 feet of water uh, along the coast. That's why uh, one of the cool things that 
the regulations have set for commercial versus sport is that the sport guys have a chance to fish in areas where the commercial guys don't. Um, so typically the first few days you see a lot of guys uh, um, taking their families out, taking their friends out, taking their kids out, uh, wives taking their husbands out, and they kind of pick a little bit at the, uh, at the coastline um, and then settle into the harbors. Uh, once the commercial guys get started on their gear, uh, they've got bait in them, and uh, they're going to hit the coastline, which is an area that um, that they're designated to fish. Uh, the sport guys, you know, obviously have uh, access to that as well. But once uh, once both halves of the fishery kind of start at the start going uh, and getting into it, um, the, you'll see a lot of uh, a separation. On the on uh, uh, Catalina Island, there's a whole section where the commercial guys can't fish. And so the front side is, is uh, really kind of an excellent place for the sport guys to fish. Um, so that's really now where you see that separation right there. Now with the uh, recreational guys, you say there's places they can fish. I know uh, uh, San Diego Harbor, uh, Mission Bay, uh, the commercial guys can't go in there. The recreational guys can. Uh, is it the same thing with Oceanside, Newport uh, Beach, and L.A. Harbor and everything like that? Yep, and I think even uh, some of the other uh, bays that are uh, off limits to commercial um, uh, have a little bit of uh, sport uh, access to it as well. Um, All right. Yeah, it just kind of gives you that gives the, the the sport guys a little bit of an opportunity to to fish, you know, where um, where uh, the, the commercial guys can't. And uh, one of the benefits out of there is, uh, like in some of the harbors, I've heard that uh, uh, the the guys and the girls that are out fishing are getting some decent catches, but all, you know, there's a couple five pounders that are coming up, and that's kind of a wow. cool little uh, thing to see. You know, as fishermen, uh, every time you pull the net up over the side, you want to see what's in there. And uh, when you see that big, that big one coming through and just clapping away, then uh, that's pretty exciting. I uh, it is. And uh, Wendy, I know we had a great trip uh, last year when we went on out on the jig strike and. Uh, it's a lot of fun to do all that work and to bring up that net and to see uh, a lobster or three or five or whatever it is in it. It is. And, you know, um, I had somewhere to go on Saturday, but Merritt took the boat out and uh, out of Huntington Harbor where I live. And um, he got two lobsters, a spider crab and a rock crab. So that's what we're having for dinner tonight. <laughs> Yum. We'll be right over, Wendy. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we... We hear the recreational, uh, at least here in San Diego and in uh, off in San Diego Bay, was pretty off the chart. In fact, uh, we had uh, customers coming in for bait, and they were saying, "Man, it was really kind of a bummer because we'd set our traps, pull them on up, and we had more than our limits. And we figured we'd been planning to spend all night out here. What do we do?" So, were you getting that type of uh, reaction from the? recreational hoopers that you were talking to jeff yeah you know i think it really started around uh tuesday or wednesday once that uh harvest moon kind of faded out um then uh then you started getting some of those uh really nice uh, early season pulls uh, i had one guy that came in mike and uh, he was telling me that um he had set four traps because he's just now getting involved in uh in hoop netting on his uh, kayak and so he was he went out there early and and uh, put the nets down when the sun was just about going over the horizon Pulled him shortly after that, and he was, you know, he told his wife he was going to be home around uh, nine, ten, or eleven, depending on how the fishing was. And uh, he got those first four nets in and pulled them out, and he was at limits and was home by, uh, I think he said he was like seven fifteen. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of a, a bittersweet. 
you know, if you're planning on spending some time out there, uh, you know, as long as the weather's nice and the and the and the, well, the, the seas are calm, you know, it's kind of relaxing and peaceful and therapeutic. But uh, if you're stressing about not catching any lobsters and it's coming close to 11 or 12, then then uh, you know you really want to uh, kind of judge, you know, uh, that trip by hopefully by getting everything early. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're speaking with Jeff Hunt from the Lobster Port, and Jeff, there at the Lobster Port, I know you have everything that the recreational hooper needs to go out and have a successful uh, trip. But a lot of people, you know, can't get to Oceanside or whatever it is. They're they're getting out on a moment's notice. And I want to talk to you a little bit about bait and baiting up uh, uh, the, uh, the actual uh, cages. Uh, what is the preferred bait, but what are some of the other th- baits that fishermen can use if they can't get absolutely, quote-unquote, the preferred bait. Well, I'm hearing a lot more stories this year about uh, folks that are using uh, non-traditional bait, um, chicken, which I've never tried. Um, however, uh, the tried and true bait is definitely going to be something that lobsters have been used to seeing, uh, you know, six months out of the year since they were tiny little uh, chirpers. Um, and uh, that, those baits are going to be mackerel, sardines, anchovies, and also salmon heads, which is, you know, uh, to the new person is, going to seem kind of weird because we don't catch too much salmon down here however uh salmon heads are a nice durable bait that the commercial guys use and as you know the season's six months long um and some of you might not know that uh, those legal lobsters once they get to that legal size of three and a quarter inches uh are about seven years old so they've had seven seasons of getting in and out of that trap and looking at it as a restaurant or a hotel or, or any kind of protection <laughs> with uh with some definite good bait in it uh, so I think um, uh, by the time they get to that, you know, that legal limit, you can put uh, any kind of uh, good solid uh, salmon head, or even if you're saving your um, uh, the bonitas, uh, stuff like that that you'll see throughout the year um, as a good solid uh, stationary bait. Uh, and then also the broadcast bait would be uh, anchovies, sardines, and mackerel, which if you prepare it right, it will flake off and oil into the the, the water current. Um, and and really pull those lobsters into your net. Right. Uh, so uh, I I have something for you. So the reason why people use chicken, we use chicken, um, is because the seals won't go after it. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Yes. Now, Wendy, when you say chicken, I mean you don't go over to Colonel Sanders and get yourself a bucket. <laughs> I mean, uh, are you talking a about their finger licking good? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have any bait left. Do you, do you score the chicken? Do you use chicken parts? Do you just jam well, that sucker into the tube and hope that it uh, it fits in there, or what? When the chicken hindquarters go on sale for sixty nine cents a pound, we stop. Oh, yeah. I was wondering what you do with the feathers. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I have chickens here. <laughs> there you go, Kidding. Jeff. And another bait now that you got to carry in your freezers there at the lobster port. Super you know, secret I've got plenty of room out back. Bait. I might just uh, you know put a little chicken pen back there. Yeah. Now, Jeff, you got there's a, a lobster event coming up that you wanted to talk about. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so my friends over at Slade A SoCal have been putting together, uh, working really hard on this year's event. Last year's event was a fantastic success uh, through uh, Promar and some of the other companies that have been involved in our local fisheries for lobsters. Um, uh, so it was, a, it was a good event. Last year we started with 25 teams, uh, and it was at Sh- South Shore Landing in Long Beach, 
uh, right by the uh, Queen Mary, and it was a, a, a one-night event. And uh, so we're going to duplicate that this year, um, and and, uh, and hopefully we're going to be able to reproduce the uh, the excitement uh, a couple more times this year. And we're really excited about this first one coming up on the 24th of this month, and it's going to be a 4 o'clock start. Um, and the team entry, which is kind of a cool thing, is uh, 130 bucks, and it gets you into the tournament. It'll get you a couple other perks. There's been a lot of donations from Roach Coach. Uh, there's been some good stuff from uh, Dixie Rec Fishing and also uh, JJ. Uh, uh, Johnny Jig's been throwing some stuff in. There's a lot of cool uh, other sponsors. If you uh, have a time, uh, get over to SlateySoCal.com. And uh, either through uh, their Facebook page or online, you'll be able to see all of the tournament rules, all the sponsors. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic event. Uh, I'm the official weigher. Uh, so at the end of the night, um, we're going to weigh in all the lobsters for the teams, uh, determine the winners, and then uh, have a, a prize pool. Of, I think it's going to be up to four hundred or $4,400 if we get a, a total of uh, 40 teams. Um, we're a few teams short, so there's plenty of room to still get involved in this event uh, in two weeks. Um, and then uh, the amount of raffle prizes, I think Ryan from Slade SoCal is, uh, has said that it's over ten or $12,000 worth of stuff. Wow. So it'll be really exciting. Um, so take a look into that if you've got a couple of good fishing buddies and, uh, and you know the uh, Long Beach area, or even if you don't, it's still fun to get involved because there's some really good prizes like uh, ace line haulers and some other stuff too that are going to be in the raffle. Now, Jeff, the ironic thing is with all this great information that you have about lobsters, how you've formed your business around the nets and the traps and everything you need and telling people how to do it and everything like that. You yourself don't eat lobster. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I think that was the the bomb I dropped a couple weeks ago, and uh, <laughs> yeah, when I, 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 me and my brother both we we uh, slowly became allergic to lobsters and shellfish uh, in our early twenties. <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! So it's, it's more punishment knowing what it tastes like and not being able to eat it. Oh man, <laughs> Jeff! If people want to find out more about the lobster port, come and visit you uh, to see what you have because. Jeff has things there that you never thought that you needed, or if you need accessories, like you need a good pair of slickers or you need boots or just say you're, you're looking for a, a better line to, to uh, you know, haul up your stuff with or some of the new devices that they have to help you haul up your trap. Jeff's got it. Jeff, how do people get a hold of you or how do they find you? So you can find us online. We've got uh, LP Fishing Supply. LP just stands for Lobster Port. Um, this year I'm spending a lot of time and energy kind of blending the two sides together uh, before it was separated as Lobster Port and then also uh, LP Fishing Supply. But now I'm uh, blending everything together to LP Fishing Supply slash Lobster Port. Um, you can find us online, uh, either one of those uh, 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 addresses, uh, but stick with LP Fishing Supply on Facebook or Instagram. That's my most uh, active account there. Uh, we do 24-hour shipping and shopping and stuff like that. Uh, you can call us at the shop at 760-722-8727. Um, if we can't pick up the phone, we'll you know definitely leave a message. Um, and then uh, we're right off the harbor in Oceanside, just off the 76, about two miles inland. Uh, so if you're coming down from L.A. or Riverside or wherever and you're going to make that fishing trip, we're only just a few moments right off that uh 
the 76 there. Um, I always say it's about 13 miles south of the uh, the nuclear power plant because everyone seems to want to take those pictures and, and post it. <laughs> so I know where you're hey, at. Jeff, I know where you're at. Before we let you go, Rob Tressler has one more question for you. Hey, Jeff, right, I was out on the half-day boats, and we were motoring out of the mouth of uh, San Diego Bay, and I noticed, you know, a lot of the uh, buoys for the lobster traps that were being set, you know, in lines, and some of the buoys were real close to each other, and I was wondering, is there any etiquette both for the sport fishing lobster people as well as for the um, commercials as far as distance or anything like that, or is it catch as catch can? Uh, you know, there's a... Um... Depending on where you're, or, you know, who's there first, who's there second, who's there third, that kind of thing. Um, that's really where, uh, on the commercial side, uh, most of those guys get pretty protective of if they put their stuff in first. Um, the sports side, I think it's, it seems to be a little bit, uh, depending on who sets their gear and then cruises around and either tries to, you know, take a little dinner break somewhere or they set their gear too far apart, it kind of ends up being fair game. So my, my, uh, view on if you're fishing sport fishing is to you know set your gear in a comfortable spot where you can see all of it um, and and tend to it about every 40 minutes or so. Uh, the commercial guys uh, pretty much just rely on on each other and trust, uh, but there is a lot of uh, territory disputes uh, you know in commercial side as there is in the sport side. Yeah, I saw line strings, uh, buoy lines uh, were. Pot for pot, they were like, it looked like the buoys were only, you know, 20 feet apart. And I was kind of scratching my head about that. And it was clear it was two different <laughs> groups. Yeah, for the, for the commercial side, that's called corking. So, like, you'll see that a lot on a Zuniga jetty. Uh, where uh-huh. on the south side, they're supposed to fish uh, 500 feet uh, away from the jetty. But someone's always going to make that line just inside. And the next person's going to go just inside. And the next person's going to go just inside. And all it takes is fish and wildlife to just show up with their ticket book and, and just start ticketing everybody. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right, Jeff from the Lobster Port <laughs> out of Oceanside, thank you for being with us. And uh, as we get deeper in the season, I hope we can give you a call and uh, you know, find out how the season's progressing, okay? John and Wendy, I would love that. And Robert, it's always good to hear your voice in the background there, too. So uh, <laughs> definitely count me in. I look forward to seeing you real soon, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Good hearing All you, right. Jeff. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye. Hey, Rob, uh, a lot of people uh, know this uh, because we have you on uh, quite regularly. You're also from San Diego Blood Bank. And just in the three minutes or so that we got left over here, if you can tell us, how are we doing? You know, we were talking about flattening the curve. Have we flattened the curve? Or where are we in this, this fight with the virus? And what are you hearing? There's so much different information about some of the new procedures that are out to fight it, and then also, obviously, with a vaccine. Well, we've definitely started to make progress on understanding the disease and the the virus and how to attack it. I mean, uh, President, uh, our president got the Regeneron uh, antibody cocktail, which was two antibodies that had been identified to bind to a specific part of the virus to neutralize it. So one of the issues was saying, well, and, and San Diego Blood Bank's deeply involved in the convalescent plasma program. By that, what I mean is those folks that have had COVID-19 and successfully cleared it from the system and have been confirmed to be COVID-19 negative, oftentimes they now have a large amount of antibodies in their blood plasma that will attack and fight the virus, which is why they cleared the virus and they're no longer sick. 
So we uh, screen donors to see if they make those antibodies first to make sure that their medical uh, uh, doctor, their primary care has confirmed that they are molecularly negative for COVID-19 and they've been beyond that negative signal for at least 14 days. If so, we'll bring them in and we use uh, all COVID-19 protection policies for all donors. So it's very safe at the blood bank for people to come in. We'll screen them and test them to see if they have antibodies. And if they do, we'll collect their plasma. We'll freeze it down and we're shipping it nationwide to all the hospitals that need it to treat COVID-19 patients. So we've made progress there. Uh, We're seeing clear clinical benefits in a subset of COVID-19 patients receiving the convalescent plasma. Unfortunately, it doesn't work on real late end-stage COVID-19 patients. By then, the horse is already out of the barn. But those people that have early-stage COVID-19 symptoms, they seem to respond well to the convalescent plasma. And we hope they're going to respond well to the Regeneron monoclonal antibody product. Other companies are also developing them. So there's going to be a series of companies that come out with this over the next year. Time is still a factor. I know we're all getting tired of this. Uh, I call it COVID fatigue. But the reality is, is the virus is still highly contagious. If you get it, the more insidious things that can happen now that we're found out, a paper just came out in JN, uh, in the national, from the National Cancer Institute that even if you get over the virus, it can cause long-term damage to the heart, the lungs, and the brain. So you don't want to catch it. I mean, yes, you may get through it if you're young and healthy. And this is what I've really been counseling young people on. And I get it. You want to be with your friends. But take precautions, please. Even though you're young and you survive, we now know that the damage that can be caused for some individuals, even if you're young, can be long-lasting effects that are not good for your brain, your central nervous system, your cardiovascular system, and your lung system. So please be careful. But we're making, we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. We're guardedly optimistic, but it's going to be time. It's not going to be an overnight sensation. All right. Rob Chesso, thanks a lot for being with us. Good luck on your fishing adventure next weekend. Wendy, good luck to you, too, uh, with the commercial fishing uh uh, next week, uh, you know, uh, where can people find you after you go out real quickly? Uh, well, we are on Facebook, Captain McCray, Catch of the Day. All right. I like that. Hey, everyone, <laughs> that's it for tonight. We want to thank you for listening. Now you can go back to the football game. We'll be back next Sunday night on Ron Real Radio here. We want to thank Otto and our AM540 studios, Ben Harvey, our local producer, and always a member. A big tuna bill, Eddie McCune and Paul Leader. Thanks a lot for being with us. Good night, everyone. We'll see you next Sunday night. There's a sign upon your door. Hey, Pops, don't blab it around, will you? Gone fishing. Keep it shady. I got me a big one staked out. Mm, you ain't working anymore. I don't have to work. I got me a piece of Gary. Cows need milking in the barn. I have the twins on that detail. Each take a side. But you just don't give a darn. Give four bits of cow and hand lotion. You just never seem to learn. Man, you taught me. You ain't got no ambition. You're convincing. Gone fishing. Got your hound dog by your side. That's old Cindy Lou going with me. Gone fishing. Fleas are biting at his hide. Get away from me, boys. You bother me. Folks won't find us now because.